0: Welcome to Learning Curve, the Alpha Plus Group podcast. We're delighted to welcome Donal Brennan today. Donal has been in education for 25 years at some of London's top leading prep schools. We're excited today for him to join us to talk to us about outdoor learning and how we can incorporate that into our everyday lives. Welcome, Donal.
1: Welcome. Thank you, Stephanie.
0: Thank you. So the big topic, getting children back outdoors and the importance of outdoor learning. What has your experience been of this?
1: For me as a a teacher, firstly, I have witnessed the need for our children to be outdoors as much as possible in recent months, owing to the long number of months that they've been inside. And therefore, in my school, uh, it's been very, very important that we have extended playtime and that we avail of the local park as much as possible in ensuring that the children have as much free, independent play as possible.
0: That sounds amazing. What sort of activities would you recommend children get involved in when they go to the parks?
1: For me, I'll reflect on being both a parent and a teacher. I know small children particularly love going to the park. And firstly, even the journey from your house to the park can be an adventure in itself. Looking in over people's gardens' walls, uh, looking at different landmarks along the way, checking the change of plants and how they might change the colour of their leaves, or the fact that blossoms have arrived can be conversation starters on the way to the park. A great activity in the park is to identify a family tree, a tree where you always go with your children. And there you can set up camp and say, let's go to our tree in the park. And in that way, the children have a landmark within the park where they can locate and base their play from. That's one area to start with. Then, of course, there's climbing trees. In some parks, you may not be allowed to climb, but in others, you are. Never put your foot on a branch that's thinner than your arm. That's a very important piece of advice to begin with. But climbing trees for small children can be a great, great activity. They feel invincible. And with the guiding hand of parents, uh, I would strongly encourage children to climb trees, especially their favorite tree and the one that becomes the base for their dens, creating little dens in the park as well. They can feel as if they're kings of their own castles and their castle just might be three or five branches and an old blanket or a coat, which then becomes a canopy. And hey presto, they've got a camp from there you can also enjoy the fact that in the park there just might be a pond or a stream and finding a stick you can have so many adventures with a stick so many adventures with trailing a stick through the stream and then in that way you may feel that you are releasing pebbles from the waterway and allow the children to think oh i'm allowing the stream to run more quickly and all of this encourages conversation but it does bring them very, very close to nature in a very, very simple way.
0: I love that. Not a branch that's smaller than your arm. I think that's great advice for parents getting out there. And what would your tips be for parents that might be a little bit reluctant to get outside? You know, the weather gets cooler, the rains come, you know, have you had any any great times where you've been outside in the snow or learning experiences that parents can get out and participate with their children?
1: Yes, for me, I think it's important to not to be afraid of the weather. Rain is only mist and mist can be light or heavy. And it's so important to be well-dressed, to have wellies, to have an anorak or a zip-up that's always there for those muddy adventures in the park. Don't take wet wipes. There is no need. It is OK to get wet. And for some of us, we might be reluctant for our children to go outside when it's raining or when it's windy. I've always encouraged children to go outside in the rain. Even as a parent, we used to take our children out into the rain and go, yeah, it's raining, and uh, enjoy it on our faces. And that takes me back to my childhood, where on the west of Ireland, we spent so much of our time outside in the rain. But I'm not encouraging children to get drenched or catch colds. But being well-dressed makes a big difference. Having the appropriate footwear, Wellington boots, always ready, having a muddy place that they can be dropped on returning to the house and knowing that it's a quick venture to get outside rather than an ordeal that feels like a mission that you'd rather not do.
0: No, absolutely. I think there's um, lots of great points there for getting them out and about. And I guess there's so much learning that the children can take from the different types of weather that They are experiencing in terms of words and language and what they're using with their parents. So in terms of vocabulary, I know that words is another one of your passions. How would you recommend that parents extend on their children's vocabulary, especially when they're outside and playing?
1: For me, it's so, so important that when a small child makes an observation, oh, look, dad, the tree is so tall that your response should be not just yes, yes, it should be, oh, yes, it is so tall, and that you repeat what they say using full sentences, using a calm voice, and that in that way, by reiterating and repeating what they say, then the word becomes more embedded in their vocabulary, and to listen to how they use vocabulary, and to encourage them to use full sentences. And when they climb that tree a little bit, To say, well, what can you see from there? Well, I think I can see the clock tower down at the end of the park. Oh, you can see the clock tower. Well done. What else can you see? So questioning, questioning and repeating what they say encourages them to think about the words they're using and for you to listen to every word that they say. You can have a game as well by saying, oh, what's your favorite word? And in that way, we all have favorite words. What's our word today? And in that way, you can have a celebration around words, looking at words on the way to the park. You might go past a local shop and the name of the shop or looking at some of the words in the window of the shop or looking at words on estate agent signs. You don't expect small children to recognize all these words, but their impromptu use of language that then becomes the language that you then reinforce back, can really build a vocabulary.
0: I love that and the, the use of words. So I guess the big question is, what's your favourite word, Dono?
1: My favourite word? I have so many words I like, but there's one word I've always shared with the children I teach because I play this game in class a lot. What's your favourite word? I love the word silhouette. I think I love the sound of the word and also the idea that it's a shadow. And that is the shadow captured by light. And then I'm always creating a picture in my mind connected to the word. So I always find myself when I'm explaining to a child, well, what, what is a silhouette? I draw a picture of a London street light, one of those Victorian lights. And then I show how the light beams down and how a figure standing under that lamppost becomes a silhouette in the darkness lit by the light from the candlelight overhead. So for me, it's important to note that words are pictures and that by always taking those favourite words and creating pictures around them can really reinforce them in the minds of the children.
0: Such a lovely word, silhouette, and just the way you describe it there is fascinating. And again, you know, going out, I guess, at different times of the day for the children so that they can see... These types of things and have those experiences, um, you know, when the sun's setting and you do see the street lights being lit.
1: I would often have said uh, when my children were little, let's go for a walk at evening time. And they'd say, but we can't see anything. And I said, but we'll see so much if we go when it's getting dark. And we would walk from the house across Valley Road towards the park. And there we would be at a heightened point and we would be able to look down over the city and see the lights. And actually see the traffic lights on the streets nearby zooming past. And then, not always possible, you just might see a satellite. Or you see, of course, the lights of an airplane coming in over London. Or another great activity when it's getting dark is to have your keys and to rattle your keys. And then you just might be lucky enough to see bats. And again, that's just like magic of an evening when you say, look, the bats have come. Let's shake those... Keys And they go, Daddy, Daddy, I think I can see one. And I once saw what I thought was a bird blowing in the wind, and it was a bat. I was so surprised. But there are so many activities you can have in the evening time. Of course, as children get slightly older, the darkness in evening time conjures up so many images of uh, superheroes and missions and adventures and what could possibly be happening in the dark. Then they want nighttime vision goggles and they want to be able to send signals with their torches. So many adventures can come out of the darkness as well. And it's something to not be afraid of. And I know I'm getting carried away here because I used to be afraid of the dark. And there's no need because one can have so many adventures as darkness comes. Well, then, of course, foxes come in darkness as well. And all around London in the evening time you could be quite fortunate to see one and see them as friends and not foes.
0: No, absolutely. I just have pictures of um, streets of people standing out there in the dark, rattling their keys <laughs> all across London and the UK, maybe even the world. <laughs> I'm yet to see bats, but there's definitely something I may go out and do. And, you know, I think you touched on their, you know, children's imagination. And obviously, you know, for a lot of children, as you said, being outside in the dark can be scary and being out there with their parents or a, or an adult that they trust, um, you know, will help with that. And you touched on kind of superheroes. And I guess kind of, I'm just thinking, you know, the next step to kind of, you know, you've got this rich language, you've had these experiences and the next step for children would be then to to start writing about these experiences and the vocabulary that they've learnt from these walks and going to the park and splashing in the puddles and squelching through the mud would just help their writing. Is that something that you would agree with in your years of teaching? Or?
1: Yes, I would uh, agree wholeheartedly with that because out of experience comes a rich background from which you can write and you cannot write about anything unless you've experienced it, unless you're asked to imagine it but the more you experience things as small children and the more that is captured through conversation with an adult who is listening and who is calmly repeating back and dropping in words that you then use in your sentences, that builds their vocabulary towards they being able to write and record their experiences. I do remember occasion with my older son having to write a story about why he liked London And he said, But I don't know anything dad about London. And so we went for a walk, just like the one I've been describing, and we walked from our house to the park, and he climbed a tree. And then at the top of the tree, he sat and he looked out and he saw the tower from the church at the end of the street. And then he saw some crows. And then he saw some people cycling down across the park. So he kept telling me what he saw. I kept encouraging him to repeat what he saw. And he said, oh, I really like it here. So then when we went home, having repeated the sentences back and having the same conversation back, when he sat at home with his blank piece of white paper, which can look so scary when you have to fill it with writing. And I said, now, what do you like about London? He said, well, I love the park. And then from there, he was able to write a story about what he had experienced that afternoon. And it just flowed from the fact that he had experienced it. He didn't have to think anymore. He just said, oh, I just know what I did today. And I said, there's your story. And it comes from experience. So it is a really good question to ask, Stephanie, because out of that experience comes writing. And it's authentic and beautiful and very childlike
0: absolutely i think you know that's a lovely example of how it all sort of comes together and you know i i've been in your schools that you teach in and they're they're wonderful places of such creativity and the academics that kind of go alongside that. We're kind of talking today about outdoor learning and getting out there. And, you know, I've seen in your schools, children out in the park doing rhythmic gymnastics and having lovely walks, science walks. What's your philosophy around kind of bringing – that side of the extracurricular into your school alongside very strong academic work and how do you feel that maybe parents could support that in terms of homework i guess and maybe not always seeing homework as a chore and something that they have to just sit at the table and do
1: that's a fantastic question and we um, could explore it in different ways and firstly thank you for describing my schools i do believe it is so so important to be outside and the more one can be outside, the more liberated you can feel as a child. And I use my own childhood for that because I spent my time outside. We were encouraged to get out, get out, go outside. And so out of those adventures outside, one can feel energized, hungry for lunch when you come back and excited to get on with doing some work afterwards. But to go back to your question, creativity corrected to co-curricular for me it would be looking at all aspects of the curriculum and saying right we're doing drama today does the drama lesson have to be in the drama room could it be in the park could it be close to the pond is there something in the park that could become a landmark around which we can put on our performance today looking at science and autumn and winter changes in the seasons rather than putting up a powerpoint We might think if we're lucky enough to be close to a park or open the window, use the outdoors in our lessons as much as possible. We take a lot of our sports lessons outdoors into the parks. We take a risk that it might rain, but uh, we uh, will take that risk rather than hide away inside in a centrally heated space. Singing and drama and sports and nature and science and just fresh air can all happen outdoors. And wherever possible, I think the answer is take your learning outside. They will be so much more energised on their return.
0: Absolutely. And I guess for parents, you know, summer holidays can seem like quite a long, long period of time. The kids at home for six to eight weeks. And I guess that sort of learning... Is something that they can do themselves, especially if they're wanting to, you know, extend on their children's reading or other tasks that they may have over the holidays. And as you said, kind of getting them out and about is actually going to help that learning rather than having them stuck inside. Is there any sort of Top ideas you'd have for the summer. I know. I know building dens is always a favorite. Building
1: dens is a great one. Um, you only need three sticks to create a teepee to begin with, and then you can carry a blanket. I always had a bag, a sort of an old bag, down by the door, and in that there was a blanket, and there was a piece of rope, and there was always a need for a rope because you could create a swing or create something from which you could encourage some sort of imaginative play in the park. So having some tried and tested things that are in that kit of things you would take with you to the park. Kites. I haven't talked about kites, but uh, they're underestimated in their importance and value. I'm a kite flyer. uh, Well, I was when my children were little, and we had quite a collection of good and bad and all kinds of kites. Taking a kite outdoors when you're on holidays as a parent is a great activity, again. Having a stick, using sticks for streams, making sure, as I say, you have an old blanket of some kind which you can take with you to the park. And out of that, all kinds of imaginative play can take place. You don't need to take all kinds of complicated things. The simpler the activity, the more... It will feel like a Robinson Crusoe type famous five outdoor world, uh, the better it will be. Find the mud, find the puddles, splash in them, get your hands in them to a degree if it's appropriate, Uh, smell the mud. All of those kind of things that seem very simple and that makes you worry that, oh my gosh, they're going to get muddy. Be free of that. Let it go. And uh, I would definitely say have a kite in your bag, have a stick, have a rope. Those to start with can make a big difference.
0: I love this. Encouraging parents to get out there and smell mud instead of smelling the roses. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thank you, Donal, so much for your time today. It's been fascinating. And I hope, parents, that you can take some of Donal's tips and get out there and, and explore with your children and extend on their vocabulary and get them then writing these amazing stories. We would love to see them. So do let us know if you do write a story on anything that you see in London, especially if you're to see an elephant wandering the streets. So thank you, Donal, for your time.
1: Thank you so much, Stephanie. It's been a lot of fun and it takes me on a nostalgic trip back to when my children were little. But equally to all parents, I uh, say to you, uh, don't be afraid. Don't put too much expectation on yourself. Conversation matters. And use that street from your house to the park as the first place to have a fantastic conversation with your children.
0: Fantastic. Thank you, Journal.
1: You're welcome. Thank you, Stephanie.